Hello, and welcome back to this podcast series where we try to do bite-sized learning micro-teachers about particular topics in pharmacy. This week's podcast, to tie into Medicine Safety Week, is going to ask the question, what's the point of the yellow card scheme? Which then makes us tackle, what's a yellow card? Who runs the scheme and why? And what use might the scheme be to us? And if you know the answers to all this stuff already, keep listening anyway, as there might be a little nugget you've not heard before, or a different way of looking at things, or something else great. And if there genuinely is nothing new in here, you can leave with a feeling of smug superiority, which is a worthwhile reward in itself, and all for the bargain cost of only eight minutes of your time. So to get started on this exciting topic, let's begin at the beginning, which for most things governancy in pharmacy is 1964, just after the thalidomide scandal. For those who were asleep for their entire university career and also missed the Call the Midwife episodes dedicated to it, thalidomide was marketed for morning sickness with disastrous outcomes for children due to its undetected teratogenic effects. Based on this, in the aftermath, a whole raft of measures to enhance safety around medicines was launched and pharmacovigilance became a thing so that thalidomide couldn't happen again, or at least was less likely to. Into this enthusiasm for fixing the problems came the legend that was Bill Inman, who was the doctor who set about setting up the yellow card scheme. The basic idea is that, although clinical trials will pick up a lot of the potential side effects of medicines before they get to market, it isn't a perfect system. Where it falls down is where there are rare but serious side effects, and also if, like thalidomide, use is in a different group, i.e. pregnant women, compared to those in the trial. The essential problem is that clinical trials tend to be powered to try and detect a positive clinical outcome. So say you want to tell if your drug stops 5% of heart attacks, you'll maybe recruit a few thousand patients. However, if your drug, as well as helping 5% of patients not have a heart attack, also makes 0.1% of patients' legs fall off, you're unlikely to see that risk realised in the relatively small group of patients you have in your trial. And if you do see it, it won't reach statistical significance, If you only have one or two patients in the trial whose legs fall off, you might just put it down to random chance. Maybe their legs weren't that firmly attached in the first place anyway. Medicines therefore get to market without absolutely all of their rare side effects detailed. What's needed is a way of being vigilant, pharmacovigilant if you like, about medicines once they're on the market, so that stats nerds can spot things emerging and intervene so that we continue to use medicines safely and more people get to keep their legs on which is where Bill Inman came in, with his idea of a scheme where doctors could send in a card documenting adverse effects that they suspected a medicine had caused. This would then be compiled and pulled together so that things that individual doctors couldn't spot, and things that weren't seen in clinical trials, could be seen and acted upon. It's called the yellow card scheme, as the cards, found in the back of the BNF, were yellow. You can, though, now report online or through the app. It's dead easy to do, and you don't even need a pen either. And it's also more than doctors who can report. In the late 90s, pharmacists and other healthcare professionals were allowed to submit reports themselves. And in 2005, patients were allowed to submit their own reports too. Exciting times. So the really important message is that the data held by the MHRA to do all this clever stuff with is generated by people sending in reports. If no reports are sent, there's no intelligence, and then there's no proper learning, which puts people at risk of the next thalidomide happening. It's therefore incumbent on everybody to report suspected adverse events. It might be thought of as a hassle, although it's less so now that you can report online or in an app, as we said, but it is an important part of the job, whatever your job is. 
Don't assume that someone else will report, as they're probably thinking the same thing as you are, and then nobody will report. And don't worry about if you're not certain and you might send in messy data and muddy the water. The MHRA actively wants muddy water. It's your job to chuck the mud in, and then their stats nerds will do the panning for gold thing. So what should you report? So the idea is to get as much information in as possible. So if in doubt, report. But the overall message is to report adverse effects that you suspect are associated with a medicine or medical device. If it's an established medicine, the ask is for all serious suspected adverse effects to be reported. If it's a newish medicine, the ask is for all suspected adverse effects to be reported. How do you know if a medicine is newish? It'll be flagged with a black triangle in the current BNF. How do you know if an adverse event is serious? Well, use your judgement, but if in doubt, report. How do you know if your medicine definitely caused the adverse effect? Well, you don't, but you're reporting suspicions and associations, not things you definitely know caused a problem. So again, if in doubt, report. The MHRA's problem is absolutely not a lack of reports, so if in doubt, always report. They're aware of data quality, but it's never going to be perfect, so they want to counteract that with volume and clever analysis. So that's how the MHRA gets the data and then uses what's been submitted, which is really important. But how can we use it ourselves in our practice? So yellow card data is freely available online on the MHRA website. It isn't the most user-friendly, but it is much improved on what was there before. So you find your drug, look at the data, but that's just really the start of what you need to do. So the important thing is that we remember everything about the data that we've covered above. It's different to the data that we're used to from clinical trials and the like, so whilst we can use it, we also have to use it differently. The first thing is that it's about correlations, not causations. Reports are triggered when someone thinks an adverse event has happened, not only when somebody is absolutely certain that drug A has caused effect B. You therefore can't say just from one or two reports that your drug has caused that side effect. If you're getting up towards the hundreds, you're probably more confident of a link, but you still can't quantify it in the way that side effects in the SPC are given a rare, uncommon, or whatever rating. And this leads to the second thing, which is that you get a number, 12 people on fabastatin turned blue, but you don't know how many patients that's out of. You don't know how many patients got fabastatin in the first place. In maths terms, we know the numerator, but we don't know the denominator. This is why you can't say if a reported adverse effect happens in 1 in 10, 1 in 100, or 1 in 1,000 patients, and also why you can't compare between different medicines. One medicine might have more reports, but be used in many, many more patients, so the incidence may be a lot less, even though the first number is bigger. Or the drug may have been in the press recently, so the adverse effect is more at the forefront of people's minds, so it gets reported more frequently. You can try to put things into more context by quoting the total number of reports and the time frame they have been reported over. So, Fabastatin has had 200 adverse event reports over 6 years, of which 199 were that the patient turned blue, but it still doesn't quantify the risk. Don't go comparing medicines or trying to do maths on the numbers that you have, because it's not that sort of data. The MHRA and data nerds can do loads and loads with it, but you probably need to limit your use to has this side effect been reported before and has this side effect been reported a lot before and then go and fill in a yellow card yourself to contribute your new example to the data pool. So that's probably it for yellow cards. 
They're a really important post-marketing surveillance tool to try and improve pharmacovigilance and spot adverse effects that might not have been spotted in clinical trials. The data looks like that which you get from clinical trials, in that it's numbers, but because of the way it's collected, it's a completely different beast. So you need to be aware that it's about correlations, not definitive causation, and is subject to all the vagaries that non-randomised, non-comprehensive, mass-sourced intelligence is subject to. However, it's one of the most important ways of surfacing patient safety issues with medicines in clinical practice, so everyone should make time in their day job to send in reports. Make Bill Inman proud. Thanks, and see you next time. Music